Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, this is Jill from the Container Store. Oh. Is there something wrong? I just thought a virtual designer would be a cool robot. I could do a robot voice if that helps. Maybe. Hi, I am Jill. Let's design. Nope, absolutely not. Regular voice, thank you. Yeah, I'm not good at impressions. Enjoy free virtual in-home closet design and up to 25% off closet systems with the Container Store's custom closet sale. The Container Store, where space comes from. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. I am watching New York City get ransacked. Our country is in flames. Now, people are saying our country is more divided than ever before. In a previous episode of The Charlie Kirk Show, we break down why that's not true. The killing of George Floyd in the streets of Minneapolis had everyone in full agreement that what this police officer did on that singular isolated incident was wrong, full stop. But now we're already starting to see retaliation against our law enforcement officers. Four police officers got shot. In the last 24 hours, one is in critical condition in Las Vegas. Do you remember back in the summer of 2016 where five Dallas police officers were killed in cold blood and the killer admitted it was for payback to the police? President Trump is still signaling more and more National Guard presence, which is sorely needed in our streets. I re-listened to Charlemagne the God's, let's say, discussion with Rush Limbaugh. And as I was doing that, I had cable news on mute, and I kept seeing people's signs that said, white privilege needs to end. And then I went on social media, and I saw people that I thought were grounded in reason and grounded in facts and statistics posting these ridiculous black squares to virtue signal and tell the world how good of people they are. Now, I don't spend actually a lot of time on social media. I post a lot on social media, but I don't actually browse a lot on social media. But I did log in today, and I went through, and I was stunned by the virtue-signaling, sanctimonious social media activism that was happening today from people that I grew up with that have been protected by the police their entire life. So then I typed in white privilege to Instagram and, and Twitter, and I saw... Thousands of tweets every couple minutes of white people saying, we need to be honest with our white privilege. We need to atone for our white privilege. I have received thousands of emails. Thank you from freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. And whoever asks me the hardest question, the hardest question right here, right now, I will answer it on the AMA and I will admit that's a tough question, will receive a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine, New York Times bestseller. And so I went to our team here on the Charlie Kirk Show and said, we need to take down this white privilege, myth, lie, and narrative once and for all. It comes up every couple years, but it seems as if people live their lives, understandably so, and they fall victim to the mass media narratives, to the propaganda in Hollywood and pop culture to the incessant social media posting that every couple years, people like myself, and there's not a lot of people like me out there, by the way, there's only a few that are willing to take this issue head on from a fact-first, data-driven perspective. 
And I want to say before I go any further and I unpack this lie of white privilege and I put it on trial and I will convict it to the death of white privilege. The idea will die by the end of this podcast. But before I go any further, I want to say that I say this with compassion for people that believe this under good reasons. What do I mean by good reasons? They have been lied to and propagandized to their entire life. It's partially their fault for not opening their eyes earlier, but it's mostly the merchants of chaos and the people that have pushed this forward throughout our society. A lot of people have good intentions. Their hearts are in the right place. I do take notice, though, for people that like to virtue signal to the entire world to tell you how good of a person you are. That, that crosses the line for me. So here we go. White privilege. It's a myth and it's a lie. Before we get into the mythical aspects of it and the fallaciousness of it, let's talk about why the idea is racist and evil. I find the idea of white privilege to be absolutely reprehensible. White privilege, in my eyes, requires the targeting of an ethnic group with a collective crime. This is regardless of the innocence or guilt of that particular group. Could you imagine if I said, all black people, X, Y, Z, all Jewish people, X, Y, Z. Could you imagine those overly gross generalizations? And you can allow your mind to fill in the gaps of how that ends. The entire idea of white privilege relies upon collectively held guilt. Not what you as a human being did, not what you as a person may or may not have said, not the actions that you need to be held accountable for. No, 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 no. The melanin in your skin. The melanin in your skin is something that you must atone for or apologize for. Using a more, let's say, academic term, these are immutable characteristics, something that you cannot change. Now, people that argue that white privilege exists, they say that the system is rigged, that the scales are tipped in the favor of white people. Now, I'm going to take apart that with facts and with data and evidence and statistics, but more on the immorality of the idea of white privilege and why anyone who dares entertain this idea, the best way I can say this is that the people that advance the white privilege narrative they're the types of people who are always looking for trouble. I'm being very nice in the way I'm describing it, by the way. But it's the type of people that go out of their way to try to divide us. Now, mind you, just a basic reading of the 20th century should tell us that generalizing people on immutable characteristics and making you atone for something that you have nothing to do with is an awful idea. The amazing Jordan Peterson calls this class-based guilt, that your existence requires apology, that your existence requires atonement. I also believe that this is a tool to silence people. I put out a post on social media that went very viral where I was critical of individuals that were posting on Facebook and Instagram telling the world about how virtuous they were. I was told to shut up and listen by people of color, because I was white. This is a tool to silence opposition. If you're a sentient human being, you have the right to speak up on any issue. Now, certain individuals might have different testimony through their own experience, but that individual testimony must be paired with macro data when we're talking about making huge public policy decisions and also these ridiculous gross overcharacterizations. I encourage you to go back in the previous episode of my conversation with Heather McDonald, where she dissects one by one the lies that are thrown at our police officers. Overgeneralizations lead to group anarchy. And if you see a lot of the people that are actually doing the cop shooting right now, if you want to see a lot of the people that are burning the cities down, they are white people. And I encourage you to listen to our sister episode that is dropping simultaneous with this one right now of my interview with Jack Posobiec about Antifa. But these upper middle class white suburban individuals that I went to high school with, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. These individuals have no hero's journey. They've been told that they are nothing but garbage because they exist as white individuals. 
And so they are convicted to burn the world down around them. And I don't sympathize with them at all. But I see how they got to where they are. That's a huge distinction. Some of the white privilege proponents, such as the Southern Poverty Law Center, says it's, it's more than just privilege. It's, it's a, quote, preference for whiteness. That's a racist thing to say. Why don't we judge people as individuals? What do you think? What do you feel? What are your preferences? Do you like music? Do you not like music? Or are we going to start to dump everyone into these divisive, race-based group identity categories? This is a postmodern idea. And I'm going to do a whole other podcast on this. So please type in Charlie Kirk Show. Make sure you're subscribed either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And just watch when we come up with new episodes because this is the most helpful information that you need to be better informed, better understanding of the most important issues today. But postmodernism really started with Jacques Derrida. We talked about him in a previous episode of The Charlie Kirk Show where he argued that there's no such thing as absolute truth, that even Newtonian physics, the three laws of Newton, he could find something wrong with them, that science and math, they're all just an instrument of oppression for white people, that everyone has their own truth, that everyone has their own ability to be able to say something different. Therefore, there's no such thing as absolute truth. And the only utility that we have in the world is whatever group identity that we associate with. Almost, he was making the argument for a return to tribalism. This tribalism is a descent back into the worst forms of humanity. It is an anti-Western way of thinking that yeah, you're not made in the image of God, Imago Dei, that you don't have your own thoughts and your own imaginations and your own individual characteristics and your own choices, very important, your own choices that you must be held accountable to. No, 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 no. You're nothing more than a white person or a black person. When you put people and compartmentalize them in these pre-prescribed brackets and buckets, it becomes so easy to control people. Because when people are no longer sovereign individuals with consciousness, and they're nothing more than a collective automaton, well, then that becomes a dream mob to be able to puppet and control as you see fit. So now let's get into the actual fallaciousness of the argument. Let's get into the lie. So now we started with the immorality. We started why no one that believes in what is good and true and honest in the world should ever profess that white privilege is a good thing to defend. Now, these are two different things, whether white privilege actually exists, which it does not, and or whether or not we should even be categorizing people based on race. Two totally different things. Let's dive into right now why white privilege is not true and it is built on a house of lies. But first, America is going back to work, and that's why we want to talk to you about NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite by Oracle is the sponsor of this episode on The Charlie Kirk Show. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. If you want to take your company to the next level after this crisis and after all the pandemonium, NetSuite by Oracle is your way to do it. I've used NetSuite. They are terrific. So schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Six Ways to Run a More Profitable Business, at netsuite.com slash Kirk. It's highly informative and very helpful. It's netsuite.com slash Kirk. That's netsuite.com slash Kirk. NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Trusted by more than 20,000 companies. It's the last system you'll ever need. NetSuite.com. NetSuite.com slash Kirk. NetSuite.com slash Kirk. So let's dive back into why white privilege is a lie. It is built on bad data with no factual support whatsoever. And please email me, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com, the individual instances of things that you think are rather compelling around white privilege. I'm happy to unpack them. And the hardest one to answer will get a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine, New York Times bestseller, and I will feature it on upcoming Mondays. We do an AMA every single Monday, so we'll do an Ask Me Anything. Just email me. So mainstream American culture, you know, the black box individuals on social media. And if you were one of those people that posted it and you're listening to the show, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to attack you individually. Uh, maybe you have a really good reason to, uh, to post it. I'd love to hear that reason. So maybe you can email me, freedom at charliekirk.com. The video on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook that has gone viral where I went after individuals 
that put the black box saying that we need to get rid of white privilege and black lives matter. We have a blackout from social media. I was so frustrated because people in my upper middle class neighborhood that I grew up in and, or in Wheeling, Illinois, in the suburbs of Chicago, they were the ones that were saying, we need to dismantle white privilege. I said, first of all, you need to dismantle white privilege. We'll get to that in a second. But they all said, we need to defund the police and we need to have a real conversation around police in this country. You benefited from police protection your entire life. So let's start with the mainstream American definition of white privilege, the main cultural definition. And as I kind of mentioned from the SPLC, which is a hate group, by the way, and they try to define other hate groups, it's very Orwellian. The the Southern Poverty Law Center, they think Christian groups and Turning Point USA and anyone who believes that marriage is one man, one woman is a hate group. They say this, white skin privilege is not something that white people necessarily do, create or enjoy on purpose. Unlike the more overt individual and institutional manifestations of racism, white skin privilege is a transparent preference for whiteness, as I mentioned earlier. That saturates our society. White skin privilege serves several functions. First, it provides white people with perks that we do not even earn and that people of color do not enjoy. I'd love to learn what those are. Second, it creates real advantages for us. White people are immune to a lot of challenges. Finally, white white privilege shapes the world in which we live, the way that we navigate and interact with one another and with the world. So now we go to the facts of debunking white privilege in America. But first, I want to just play a clip from Charlemagne the God versus Rush Limbaugh, which inspired this episode. And I had to cut down this clip. I call him Charlemagne the Fool. I mean, it, it, was, it was like a three and a half minute clip of him telling Rush Limbaugh that he's a white man. Therefore, he is benefiting from a racist, white supremacist country. Play tape. I think, not- I, think, I, think that, I think it's easy for you to say because you're, you're a white male and that comes with a different level of privilege. And I do think America does work, but it works for the people that it was designed to work for. Because no. that's not going to stop white supremacy. That's not going to stop. I, I want to know, guys, how, how are you going to use your privilege as a white male to combat this prejudice? Privilege. You know what white privilege is? White privilege is that what, what happened to George Floyd would not have happened to a white man. As long as there's a system of white supremacy, you know, there will always be these type of situations. You know, it doesn't matter who's in the White House if that person is not willing to dismantle the mechanism of white supremacy. Once again, it doesn't matter who's in the White House if that person is not willing to dismantle the mechanism of white Come supremacy. Come on. We got to stop acting like white supremacy isn't done by design. The whole function of systemic racism is to marginalize black people. So once again, we need people that are willing to dismantle this, the mechanism of white supremacy. And until somebody is willing to dismantle the, the, the mechanism of white supremacy, nothing is going to Now, mind you, that was the edited clip. Okay? That was the clip that was condensed. It, it was much longer than that. And it was much more in-depth than that of him. I shouldn't even say in-depth. That's giving him way too much credit for Charlemagne the Fool, who is going endlessly and aimlessly trying to tell Rush Limbaugh, a man that has cancer, someone who is one of the best radio hosts of all time, that basically the only reason you're successful, because you're a white man. That's basically what Charlemagne the God, I'm sorry, Charlemagne the Fool was saying. So let's get to some facts. We talked about why white privilege was wrong morally and why the idea, I find it to be absolutely reprehensible. Why no one should ever engage in collective indictments of groups. It is the most racist thing I can think of. But let's look at some facts. Did you know that twice as many white people commit suicide as black people, according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and that is population adjusted? If white people were so privileged, why would they be rushing to end their privilege and their lives at such an alarming rate? Let's look at police brutality, because that's the big one that everyone's talking about right now. Here's some facts. According to the Washington Post, twice as many unarmed white men were killed by police officers last year compared to unarmed black men. This despite black men committing 10 times the number of gun violence crimes compared to whites and Hispanics combined. Did you also know a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a cop? These are the stats outlined by the great Heather McDonald in our previous episode. Please check it out. And I just want to say we value black America. We value all America. But we also value the truth. And it's not an either or. It's not an also or a however or a but. It's in harmony. When you value all Americans, you value the truth because the truth is consistent with valuing all human life. So ask yourself the question. If what happened to George Floyd happened to a white man in Minneapolis, do you think there would be riots protesting police brutality? So let's look at income distributions. If America was such a racist country and the only people who could succeed were inherently privileged white people, 
Why is it that minorities in America are doing so well? In fact, they're doing better than white people on average. That's right. Minorities are actually doing better than white people. Charlemagne the God says we have a system of white supremacy that's designed for white people. If that's the case, why are Indian Americans, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, on average, they make $132,000 per year. Taiwanese Americans make $90,000 a year. Japanese Americans, $77,504 a year. Asian Americans, $87,194 a year. But Caucasian Americans or white Americans, $70,000 a year. Is anyone out there in the streets protesting Indian American, Taiwanese American, Japanese American, or Asian American privilege? Of course not. Why don't we ever hear about that? So, in fact, take the study published in the New York Times from psychologist Richard Nisbet. Quote, a study followed a pool of Chinese American children and a pool of white children into adulthood. The two groups started out with the same scores on IQ tests, but in the end, 55% of Asian Americans entered high-status occupations compared with 33% of the whites, end quote. Here's another question. If white privilege existed, why would Elizabeth Warren need to lie about being a Native American to get ahead? Really think about that for a second. And while you do, here's a question I've never gotten a good answer to. And it's awfully provocative, but I'm going to say this with facts. Do you consider Jewish people to be white? Ben Shapiro makes this argument quite often where he says, am I a white person? He always gets a different answer. Some people say yes. Some people say no. If you say yes, yes, uh, Jewish people are white. There's no way you can say Jewish people had a pretty good 20th century. I would never call Jewish people who endured the Holocaust to be privileged. And I'm not sure any rational person would. But I would never put anything past Elon Omar, Bill de Blasio, or Rashida Tlaib. You see, here's the problem when you get into white privilege. The data doesn't actually support it. Now, you might say, well, Charlie, black incomes are so much lower than percentage of white people. The only answer for that could be racism. This is what I call sloppy mind syndrome. Sloppy mind syndrome. It's also lazy. Why would that be the only contributing factor to a group's income success or income decline? When Asian Americans succeed, we don't say that Asian Americans are succeeding because of racism. We say that Asian Americans are succeeding because of meritocracy. Because Asian Americans are the three things you need to succeed in American society. They graduate high school, they get a job, any job, and they get married before they have kids. If you do those three things, you have a 99% chance or more of succeeding in America and breaking out of poverty. And that's according to the Brookings Institution, which is a center-left think tank. And so you go back to the Jewish American example. Could you possibly, with a straight face, say that Jewish Americans were privileged in the last hundred years? Of course not. And also, black Americans were horribly mistreated in American history. But what country than America, what other country has done more to right that wrong than the United States of America? The answer is no one. What is one thing a white person can do that a black person can't do? Charlemagne the God and people like him that are total fools, they say, well, black people can't speak freely. He literally has a talk show. He literally talks for a living. And honestly, it falls on deaf ears for me when someone like Charlemagne the God, who actually works pretty hard, and he's a fool, but apparently people like to listen to fools. People like Charlemagne the God. They say, well, it's white privilege and people like me can't succeed. He's literally succeeding. Charlemagne the God is very wealthy. He's one of the most listened to talk shows in the entire country. And so LeBron James and people like him say, well, this system is racist against black people. Well, you, you've made it. And that's not to say that the system is completely perfect. And that's not to say that if you don't make good choices, you sometimes might have things that get in your way, but, but you've made it. But can you imagine, for example, if any sort of generalization were made about any other racial group, how is it not racist to label all white Americans as privileged? I encourage you to check out a piece of literature called The Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, where he details the decline of white rural Appalachia, the opioid use, suicide rates, the hopelessness, manufacturing jobs that have gone overseas, entire communities that have been destroyed. And instead of actually trying to sympathize for some of these communities, not based on their race, but based on their economic conditions, here's a really good rule that has built Western civilization. Don't blame people for things they didn't do. This is actually what made Western society different. This is actually what kept civil society together. This is actually what made America the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. Because, for example, you wouldn't be looped into some sort of intergenerational karma that might exist against your family. 
You don't have some sort of karmic debt that you have to pay. And actually, in, in old medieval society, in feudal systems, if your father was dishonorable against the king, you might have to pay that off for many generations. You might be into eternal and perpetual damnation because of something that you did not do or because of something that your clan might have done or something that your tribe might have done. It would affect multi-generations. It would affect centuries worth of trajectory and flourishing. It could be stolen in an instant because of something you did not do. What made Western society different, inspired by the Holy Bible, was the idea that, no, you're actually an individual. It doesn't matter if your father was a drunk. It doesn't matter if your father was king of the world. What decisions are you going to make? If you're a white person or you're a black person, it's very well conceivable that Denzel Washington and Oprah Winfrey and LeBron James's kids are living in a pretty good upbringing. They're black and they're obviously the outliers to the data, but they don't have any sort of form of privilege except wealth privilege. And so what ends up happening is a very lazy interpretation of data is that there is no basis whatsoever that just because of the melanin in your skin, you are treated better or differently in society. In fact, there's actually data to show the exact opposite, as I have detailed, in regards to police brutality, criminal justice, so on and so forth. What there is data to show, though, is that there is wealth privilege. And if you just think that white people are generally more wealthy, well, then you're not looking at the statistics. But if Oprah Winfrey's kids or Denzel Washington's kids or LeBron James's kids, if they get into trouble with the law, they're going to have the best attorneys on the planet to help them out. They're going to have the best access to transportation, to communication, to education, name it. And that's not because of the color of their skin. It's because of the wealth that they have. It's because of income. And anyone who would ignore wealth privilege is just basically not looking at the country that we live in. But instantaneously and automatically connecting wealth with skin color makes you a racist. It also ignores the fact that many blacks in America have moved into the middle class. It also ignores the fact that not every black person has to follow the pattern that may have lay before them. And now, the only type of argument that I might sympathize with, which some black people do hold, is that the game is rigged against them. And now, this is not because of any sort of white privilege. It's actually because of the leaders that the black community has been voluntarily voting into office for the last couple of decades has lied to them and exploited them. And leaders in their own community, not white people, like Barack Obama and Eric Holder and Al Sharpton, have been lying to them, deceiving them, stealing from them for so long. For example, if you were to actually ask me, do I think that a black person born in urban America has every single type of equal opportunity as a white person born in suburbia, I'd say no, mostly because of wealth. But also, it's not necessarily because of race, but because looking at the data and looking at the statistics, because we're a facts for show, that that person is likely to go to a failing school run by a public sector teacher union supported by the Democrat Party. That that person is likely to go to a school that will not teach them to read proficiently. A study of five schools in inner, inner city Baltimore that were 80-90% black schools could not find a single fifth grader that could read, write, or do math at grade level. Not a single individual. The statistics show that that will mean an escalation in gang violence. More people on government benefits. More people in our prison system. You want to stop the prison pipeline that the left always talks about? Why don't we fix our families first and foremost? So where there might be some sympathy by people that have this conversation, but no sympathy of people on the left that are trying to shame white people into doing something they didn't do, some sort of collective guilt, some sort of group indictment, some sort of ethnic generalization of immutable characteristics, which is nonsense, racist, and a lie. I did not do that. I am a white male in America. I did not do what the individuals did in the 1860s or 70s or the 1920s or 30s, nor do I support it. Why are you trying to indict me for that? Because I look like them? In fact, my ancestors, the people that preceded me, fought in the Civil War on the Union side. That's right. Many generations ago, on the Cook side of the Kirk family tree, my family fought in the American Civil War. We fought in the Revolutionary War before that. So it shouldn't be that I should be blamed for being white. Some people can make the argument that my lineage actually helped liberate black America eventually. My grandmother, may she rest in peace, was a lifelong Republican. Her father, in the 1920s and 30s, the Republican Party being a party of liberation, being a party of rights for black people and for women's suffrage, was marching in the streets in the 20s and 30s against the Democrat Union-run white mobs, saying that black people should have the right to vote, that black people should be treated equally and fairly. In the cities of Chicago, at the time was one of the most racist cities in America. So if you look at my family tree, my family tree has actually been about black empowerment. It's actually been about giving a voice to black individuals, about caring about dignity of human beings. 
why would you loop me into this? And I have to say this. Here's the definition of racism. Racism is, quote, the belief that all members of each race possess certain characteristics or abilities specific to that race, especially as though to distinguish it is inferior or superior to another race or races, end quote. Inferior or superior. So if you're generalizing that I have superior type access to certain, whether it be wealth or privilege, then you're actually the racist one. You are the racist one. Wikipedia says it's an invisible package of unearned assets. Well, I must have missed my white privilege toolbox on my way to building Turning Point USA, working seven days a week, working 21 hours a day. And they, people would say, well, Charlie, it's only because you're white you were able to create an organization like that. That's racist, first of all. And second of all, how could you possibly make that argument? There's no data to support that. You're just engaging in tribal linguistic warfare to try to divide America. And by the way, Candace Owens, who is our communications director at Turning Point USA, is doing pretty well right now running Blexit. She's a black American. It's doing terrific, and you guys should support Blexit.com. She was very generous to come on the Charlie Kirk Show in a previous episode. I encourage you to check it out, Blexit.com. And so Wikipedia, again, says an invisible package of unearned assets. So now they have these ridiculous tests online that you can ask yourself the question that prove that white privilege exists. This is from Yes Magazine. Dot org that argues for racial justice, white privilege, and all these other things that really stir up people that want to feel bad about their own existence. By the way, by a general rule, self-hatred is a really bad thing to ever divulge into. Self-hatred in bragging about something that you didn't even do wrong as a reason you have to atone for it is so self-defeating and anti-Western. It's so masochistic. But before I get into this, I want to tell you guys about Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA is the largest conservative student organization ever to exist. On 2,000 high school and college campuses across the country, we are fighting America's culture war with a sense of urgency. If you're a student listening to this right now, go to tpusa.com, get engaged or get involved. Or you can email me directly, freedom at charliekirk.com, and just put in the subject line, I want to get involved with Turning Point USA. I'll get you correct, connected to the right person immediately. If you're an adult out there and you're like, boy, I really want to help out the next generation, can you give a cup of coffee a day to Turning Point USA? We have an automatic donation portal where you guys can give a tax-deductible gift of $5, $3, $1 a day to help us win America's culture war. We are debunking the lies of the left. Our 501c3 organization is around educating the next generation on American exceptionalism, the values of free enterprise, and individual initiative. Check out tpusa.com. It would mean a lot to me. So let's take this test from yesmagazine.org. Ten examples that prove white privilege exists in every aspect imaginable. This is so unbelievably poorly written by John Greenberg. I don't know what John Greenberg looks like or what his background is, but he starts by quoting the race baiter Taha Nisi Coates, who has never written anything that I have found to be true. So here's, here's number one, the first one. I've had the privilege of having a positive relationship with the police generally. Let's see Charlie Kirk taking this. Well, I say when I go to college campuses, the police treat me rather fairly. But when I get pulled over on the side of the road, I've had plenty of police be jerks to me. I've gotten plenty of tickets that I know that I didn't deserve. And they've been plenty fierce to me. And now people say, well, Charlie, you've never been subject to police brutality. Well, most black people haven't either, actually, statistics show. But while it is something that does exist in American society. It's not anywhere as common, and it's also not every single human being in the black community has participated in it. I've dealt with police that have pulled me over incorrectly, that have written me tickets that I don't deserve. So has it been positive? I mean, I think it'd be neutral, but that doesn't believe that white privilege exists or doesn't exist. That just proves that maybe police officers are doing their job, or maybe they have to have minimums that they have to meet for quotas. I think it's nonsense to say that absolutely proves that white privilege totally exists. Number two, I have the privilege of being favored by school authorities. Well, this is definitely not true. This would disprove white privilege, according to yesmagazine.org. I got in fights with every single one of my teachers and behavioral deans and people at the high school I went to because I was a conservative, not because I was a, not because I was anything else, because I was white. I mean, I can't tell you how many detentions I had to serve, how many times I had to sit in the hall because I respectfully decided to engage in Socratic dialogue with teachers that were far left-wing Marxists that were trying to indoctrinate my fellow classmates around the ideas that would destroy our country. Number three, I had the privilege of attending segregated schools of affluence. Well, actually, I went to Wheeling High School. That's 47% 
English as a second language and is actually now a majority minority high school. Where I went, I went to high school with illegal immigrants and foreign nationals. So no, actually, I was a minority as a white person in my high school. So I guess I don't apply for that Yes magazine. Number four, I have the privilege of learning about race in my school. Well, actually, when I went to high school, it was a beautiful time in America, not because Barack Obama was president, but because this is before the George Soros push of the Open Society Foundation left-wing divide America at all costs agenda really went into the streets and into the curriculum. We honestly, and I say this with no hesitation, I was a three-sport athlete. When I went to school, I, my best friends were black and Hispanic and Mexican and Cuban and Lithuanian, and we had a very, very diverse high school. We actually did not look at race. We actually just looked at each other as human beings, and actually that had to be taught to me by the mass media about how horrible of a person I was. We weren't taught about white privilege. We weren't talking about all these alleged differences in society. And the reason was that because our school was so multi-ethnic, was so multilingual, and in some ways so multicultural, that the differences between us we would actually just call them out in the class, be like, that's not true. I'm buddies with him. And we just push back against it. I mean, our football team was so integrated, so peacefully, without any sort of central planning leftist white privilege seminar, that anyone that would have dared talk about it, we would have laughed it out of the room. And we'd have said, no, actually, and I'm not going to use these people's name, but some of the poorest kids that went to my high school lived in trailer parks that were white with abusive parents. And so we would have said, well, that's not true. There's no way that could be. It wouldn't have standed merit at the time that I grew up in America. And by the way, this was only seven or eight years ago, just to show you how quickly our country has devolved in this racist nonsense. Number five, according to White Yes Magazine. I have the privilege of finding children books that are overwhelmingly representative of my race. Well, I don't even know what to make of this one. Is Winnie the Pooh representative of any particular race? Is Dr. Seuss representative of any particular race? I'm not exactly sure what to even make of that one. Number six, I have the privilege of soaking in media blatantly biased towards my race. No, actually, I watch the media every single day that tells me as a white person that I have privilege that I do not have. It's the exact opposite. I have a media that propagandizes the American public to believe the exact opposite of number six, according to Yes Magazine. I hope no one ever reads this pile of crap. Number seven, I have the privilege of escaping violent stereotypes associated with my race. No, actually, I'm told by protesters, by professors, by people that cross-examine me on my college events and on social media, I constantly get compared with the worst aspects of society, whether it be, and I don't even want to repeat it because it's not even worth repeating and the individuals are such evil things, but imagine what's the worst thing that white individuals have done over the last 20, 30 years. I've been looped into that category. Number eight, I have the privilege of playing the colorblind card, wiping the slate clean of centuries of racism. Well, I'm not even really sure what, what that means. An Asian American could very well play the same card. By the way, can I just say this as a side note? How do you have white privilege if you're half black and half white? Are you half privileged and half oppressed? If you believe in reparations, do you have to redistribute money to yourself? Number nine, I have the privilege of being insulated from the daily toll of racism. Well, no, actually, I'm being told a racist lie against me every single day. And I don't know what you mean by daily privilege of being insulated from the daily toll of racism, but anytime I ever see anyone act racist, which I don't, or anytime I ever encounter injustice, I do something about it as an individual. I don't protest in the streets like some upper middle class sanctimonious suburban social media activist that thinks that they're such a good person because they tell the world they're a good person. I actually try to do something about injustice in the world. I do something when I see someone that is mistreated. And any time that anyone who's actually racist that might have shown up to one of my events, which is very rare, by the way, because there's not that many indecent people in America when it comes to race, despite what the media tells you. I repudiate them and I cross-examine them. Number 10, I have the privilege of living ignorant of the dire state of racism today. So Sean King, who's actually a white person, who's referenced in this YesMagazine.org article, Sean King, a prominent voice of the Black Lives Matter movement, Yes Magazine says, it said this in November 10th, 2015, and it's this long diatribe of all this nonsense. And so then finally the article concludes, and I, I bet teachers are using this, it just pains me the generation of kids that would be propagandized by this nonsense, says, we are living during a new civil rights movement. Will you spend it and join the privilege to ignore the movement, or will you join it? No, I will cross-examine you with facts and statistics against this group indictment collective crime spree that you are trying to put forward right now. Are you trying to indict an entire portion of American population for simply existing in a way that they could not control? For simply being born with a certain melanin skin color, trying to indict them from crime centuries past. And even in my example, 
my ancestors actually fought to rid our country wrong of those evils and those injustices. But no, according to you, I must be thrown into that same category because I am a white person. A racist, nonsensical, pathological argument designed to divide our country. So to dive further into this, and I have to say, Mr. Producer, who is white, has been thrown out of the car by a police officer. So that would basically invalidate that entire test alongside what I mentioned. But I also want to add some statistics. And we have Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson, coming on The Charlie Kirk Show in the coming days. So make sure you're subscribed and hit subscribe to The Charlie Kirk Show. We also have David Harris Jr. as well as Larry Elder, some of the most prominent black voices. And here's just one of the statistics that just talks about black women and marriage rates. Black women were more likely to be married than white women up until 1970. And then we had the Great Society Act by Lyndon Baines Johnson passed. And all of a sudden, the fatherlessness rate increased dramatically in the black community. So now I want to close out this show with something that is very important, which has a lot to do with the ideas of white privilege and standing up against the mob, which is standing for truth. I got an email at freedom at charliekirk.com from, I don't want to say her name because I don't want to put her in more harm's way than needed, but it's an individual that goes to a Midwestern university. And basically it was a paragraph where she, because she stood up for President Trump and she stood up against the lie of white privilege, she is now being threatened to get kicked out of her sorority. She is being cyberbullied. She has talked about some of these individual instances. And she says, Charlie, what advice can you possibly have for me? What can I do? I'm going to be very honest with everyone listening to this podcast. I hope you benefited from the stats and the facts and the logical thinking that I presented here. But if you decide to do what I do and fight for this every single day, they will try to destroy your life. They will come for your loved ones. They will come for everything you care about. Now, some of you want nothing to do with that. That's fine. Then support those of us that fight. That's perfectly fine. Chip in money. Pray for us. Help us out. I totally get it, by the way. Not everyone on the planet is supposed to be on the front lines, taking the incoming, taking the metaphorical mortar shells of the left. Understand that if you dare speak out against this, the Twitter trolls will drag you. The, the culture will cancel you. For this individual that emailed me, this, and I want to hear your concerns and your stories, please email me, freedom at charliekirk.com. Your, your life will be different. And I don't necessarily recommend you doing that. You can be an activist, but a quiet activist. I don't necessarily recommend you derailing your career if that's the most important thing for you just because you want to make a vocal statement about President Trump. Let me do that. Share my post and just blame it on me. Plenty of people have done that and plenty of people have shared my social media posts. I'm not going to say any names in particular. Some people in prominent positions have shared my social media posts about white privilege that are all factual, by the way, about Asian Americans, about white people living in poverty, about all the things that we've talked about on the show and then some. And then they were forced to publicly repudiate and apologize and throw me under the bus and they privately tell me they had no choice. And that's fine, by the way. I don't hold any necessarily ill will against them. I just consider those people that be kind of weak and that's fine. Courageous people are really, really hard to find. And, but you could be courageous in different ways. You could be courageous in helping the fighters, in exposing the left, in doing research. And so courage does matter. But understand, there is a cost to this. There is a very, very real cost to this. And understand that those of us that believe white privilege is a lie and know it to be true, because we don't just believe it, we see it empirically. We reject this idea of blood guilt. We don't hurt people because of what their ancestors did. It would be like finding a random individual and all of a sudden arresting them and saying, hey, you got to pay reparations because your ancestor killed somebody. And that person might be white, might be black, might be Hispanic. It's nonsense. It's anti-Western. That is the truth behind the entire basis of Western justice. Right as I was doing this show, I paused to watch Tucker Carlson's monologue about the myth of systemic racism. It is so terrific. I want to play it to you because I can't do it as well as he has. Play tape. You've heard a lot recently about something called systemic racism. Almost no one ever bothers to explain precisely what systemic racism is, but they make it very clear that you are personally implicated in it. Are you? Well, here's the test. Ask yourself and be honest. Have you ever mistreated someone because of his race? If you have, you should atone for it. You ought to find the person you wronged and do your very best to make it better. 
But if you haven't done that, if you haven't mistreated an actual person, you should know that none of this applies to you. Being born a certain color does not make you guilty of a crime. In this country, we explicitly reject the idea of collective punishment. We don't believe in blood guilt. We don't hurt people because of what their ancestors did. We don't hold entire racial groups responsible for anything. A group of people cannot be innocent or guilty. Only individuals can be because only individuals can make free choices. Just because you happen to be standing in a liquor store when it got robbed doesn't make you an armed robber. That truth is the entire basis of Western justice. It's the one thing we should never abandon in this country. So if you want to work for racial justice, and you should want it, demand equal application of the law. If a law applies to one American, it must apply to all Americans. That is always true, whether it's a federal perjury statute or the law against looting Macy's. Special privileges are inherently unfair. They corrupt society. They corrode social trust. Giving people a pass because who, of who they are is not an act of compassion. It's the definition of injustice. It hurts everyone, including the people receiving the pass. If you let a kid walk away without charges from a drunk driving accident because his parents are rich, you are not helping the kid. Allowing poor kids to steal shoes from the Nike store because you believe they're oppressed doesn't help them either. If you raised your own children like that, you would screw them up forever. That does not mean there aren't systemic injustices in our society. There are. There certainly have been in our history. Slavery was by far the worst of them. Treating human beings like objects is always the worst thing. It still happens today, in fact, in new forms. But as of this moment, June of 2020, racism, while it definitely exists, is hardly the only problem we face. So why do they keep telling you that it is? Why do you think? Because telling you that benefits them. It's a cover. It's a diversion designed to protect the people getting rich from the biggest scams of all. America's core problems, in fact, are economic. Can your kids earn enough to form stable families of their own and live with dignity? Everything flows from that. And it's what most Americans of all colors worry about most. So, of course, it's the one thing our leaders hate to talk about. That's not accidental. Again, it's by design. What you're watching is class war disguised as race war. Keep the population at one another's throats, angry, suspicious, tribal, and maybe they'll never figure out how much we're stealing. The biggest change to American society over the past 50 years has been the death of the middle class. This used to be a middle class country. It is not anymore. Most of our population has become poorer in real terms, while a shrinking number of people control an ever-expanding percentage of our wealth. That means that fewer Americans overall have a meaningful stake in the society and more are dependent. That makes the country much more volatile than it once was. These riots really shouldn't surprise you. It's hard to know exactly who is responsible for these sad changes to America, but it's very easy to see who's benefiting from them. They're the same people lecturing you about white privilege and systemic racism. This isn't accidental. Citibank is happy to put Black Lives Matter logos on its Instagram page precisely so you won't ask what interest rates they're charging black people. If you really cared about the poor, you wouldn't crush them with debt they can't afford. Of course, if you really cared about black lives, you probably wouldn't put abortion clinics in black neighborhoods. But they do. These people are scam artists. They're playing you. Keep that in mind the next time they tell you you must hate your neighbor. Tucker's exactly right. This is a class war disguised as a race war trying to divide people against each other, mostly propped up, by the way, by upper middle class privileged white suburban activists that went to four year universities like Princeton, NYU and Fordham, like the two lawyers that got arrested for throwing Molotov cocktails at police officers in downtown New York City that are trying to divide our country. This is not necessarily even pushed by black people, certain black people like Charlemagne the Fool and DeRay and Taha Nisi Coates. They push this narrative, but a vast majority of black people don't even believe this. I know this to be true with the black outreach that we've done at Turning Point USA. I know this by actually spending time in some of these urban communities that they do believe that the system might be rigged against black people, but they don't necessarily think that white people have it so easy either. They don't necessarily think that the decay of Appalachia in West Virginia and North Carolina is somehow insignificant. 
Now, but there is one type of systemic racism that exists in America, and where skin color privilege actually does unequivocally help you or hurt you, and it's called affirmative action. It's a system that gives overwhelming preference to Hispanics, Blacks, and Asian Americans when it comes to college admissions and more. So that's actually systemic racism against white people. There have been lawsuits against Harvard and against Ivy League schools where certain individuals of the white or Asian race have to get much higher test scores than black people. This is judging people in prearranged buckets based on race, not on individuality. I believe that black America can flourish again, can flourish outside of the awful programs of the Great Society, flourish outside of the Planned Parenthood clinics on every single corner. By the way, if black lives actually mattered to the left, they would be shutting down Planned Parenthood clinics and abortion factories all across the country that have literally flatlined black birth rates all across the country. No, but instead, their focus is on individuals like me and like some people listen to this podcast that are white. We have black listeners, Hispanic listeners, and multiracial listeners. We have people all across the country. But if you're white, listen to this. They want to make you the problem for something you did not even do. And Tucker Carlson said it best. If you have wronged somebody based on race, Go atone for that individually. If you have once, if you were part of like a white supremacist organization, as unlikely as I believe that would be, well, then you have something to apologize for. But if you're a 14-year-old listening to this podcast, and there's many of you right now listening to this, or a 15-year-old, and you're a white male, and you've been told by your teachers and your friends that you're an awful person because of the melanin in your skin, that's a lie. You have value, and so does your friend that's black has value. And so does your multiracial friend that has value. You don't have privilege just because of this color in your skin. The fact that they're pushing forth this white privilege narrative with affirmative action, you actually have a lot of difficulty now. Now, I'm not saying it's harder or easier because of that, but it has to be factored in. This hyper-focus on race will be the death of America. It is the issue that animates the left more so than any others, probably followed by the environment as a close second, maybe abortion as a third. But the idea of race is so personal to Democrats. You know why? Because the Democrat Party was founded as a party of slave-owning racists. They can never let go of their roots. So now, instead of actually owning the fact that they once owned black people, that they tried to prevent black people from voting, that they tried to argue for segregation and Jim Crow laws, instead of owning up the fact that Democrats have treated black people terribly for hundreds of years, I should say 150 years, And for the last 15 years and today, instead of owning up to that, they deflect. They call the other side awful names, like you're a racist because you exist. And there's systemic racism, despite there being no data except the data to show that we have affirmative action laws on the books that are rigged against white Americans. So to sum it all up, white privilege does not exist. Certain individuals listening to this podcast that are white might be growing up in phenomenal households with a two-parent household and a really stable education. I hope that you take that not as something to apologize for, but something to capitalize on, for something to amplify and multiply. Like Jesus Christ told us in the parable of the talents, if you've been given a lot, you better multiply a lot and give back to the kingdom a lot. And there's white people listening to this podcast right now, like some of my family members, cousin in Daytona Beach, who did two tours of military service overseas, who have PTSD, and are barely above the poverty line, working two jobs just to survive. And they're an all-white family. What, did they, what privilege do they have? And there, there's decisions that they have made that I disagree with that they have to be accountable for. But there's no privilege in that. Go to West Virginia. Go to West Virginia and show the entire destruction of the middle class in Appalachia and in Ohio and Iowa. What privilege do they have? The, the answer is there is none. The answer is that you have American privilege for living in this country, and if you have been lucky enough to be born in an upper-middle-class family, don't go protest and riot in the streets and burn down our civilization because of that. Be thankful for it and then do something with it. If you have a great education, hopefully not from an indoctrination factor in the far left, use that as a gift and a blessing to make our country a better place. What, What just amazes me is as I'm watching this footage right now of riots in Philadelphia and looters attempting to continue to go in stores, all across the eastern seaboard, and unrest all across our country. Are individuals that wear these Black Lives Matter and white privilege signs that are white themselves? Now, are they trying to acknowledge that they have wealth privilege? Maybe. But 
a better use of their time, and maybe they do this, and maybe I don't know into their entire life, but generally I know this to be true in my own personal experience. Instead of complaining about how unjust the world is and marching in the streets every single day, why don't you take the blessing that you have to be the most productive and moral human you could possibly be and be the change you wish to see in the world? Guess what? Being the change you wish to see in the world does not mean having a cardboard sign and posting on Instagram so all your friends can see and so you can brag about how good of a person you are. Being the change you wish to see in the world is maybe not believing in white privilege, which is a racist idea. Maybe getting a promotion or a productive job and starting a family and creating good people. That would be a much better way to actually solve systemic racism if you actually think it exists than doing an Instagram live outside of Union Square or the White House telling all your high school buddies how good of a person you are while our entire civilization is put into flames. White privilege is a lie. I've put it on trial in this podcast, and the verdict is that it should never be embraced by any human being or any civilization. It is the idea of a collective crime, of blood guilt. I will never cede an inch to this. And I refuse to kowtow to the most radical elements of our society that literally on the Black Lives Matter website, they say they want to defund and demilitarize our, our police. And I'm watching signs that say, get rid of the police. And I'm seeing individuals that are basically advocating for the downfall of America. I might be the last one fighting in this culture war, but I'll tell you this right now. I will not give an inch to the forces that wish to destroy the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world around the reprehensible and false and fallacious idea that an ethnic group can be indicted by something they did not do, that they don't know the person that did it, and just because they look like the person they did it, we should hold them accountable. This is wrong. This is evil. Push back against it and stand for truth. So I want to make something perfectly clear. Believing in white privilege, which is a racist lie, does not mean that you disbelieve that black people have been mistreated in our country. And black people have been mistreated in our country. They were mistreated by Democrats in the 1860s, Democrats in the 1920s and 1960s. But black people have gotten the short end of the stick for many, many decades. And that's not because of black people. A lot of this was promoted by black politicians like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton for many decades by black community members that have gotten rich while their own communities have gotten poor. And that's not where the Black Lives Matter focuses on, on their own black politicians. And evidence of that black exploitation is how birth rates in the black community have completely flatlined since the Great Society program passed by Lyndon Baines Johnson. How black women were more likely to be married than white women up until 1970 when Planned Parenthood went into the inner cities and pushed abortion and aggressive forms of birth control on black women. Where church rates went down. Where in the south side of Chicago, these beautiful communities run by black individuals were plowed over by the Housing and Urban Development Division. And interestingly enough, we have Secretary Carson who comes on, who's coming on the show in a couple of days. And he talks about this because he actually grew up in absolute abject poverty. And if there's any evidence that any black person can succeed, it's Dr. Ben Carson, who's literally a neurosurgeon and the secretary of housing and urban development who grew up in a single mother family who a lot of people thought that there's no way that Benjamin Carson can succeed. And he is the embodiment of the American dream. And this goes to show that white privilege does not equal black exploitation. They are not one and the same. Instead, we must be specific about our language. Black people have been mistreated. And most of the time, it has been by Democrats that may have been white, but also black leaders within society. And none of that means that you listening to this, if you are a white person, that you have white privilege. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Please send me your uh, questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. We got some more exciting episodes coming up with housing and urban development secretary ben carson we have david harris jr and larry elder and so much more here on the charlie kirk show we are surging in the charts thanks to your support so type in charlie kirk show to your podcast provider hit that subscribe button give us those five-star reviews we've been in the top 10 on the apple charts consistently so thank you for trusting us with your time and thank you for listening and please continue to support us you can go to charliekirk.com or tpusa.com tpusa.com to support turning point usa i'm going to randomly continue to give out 10 signed copies of the MAGA Doctrine. Just email me your thoughts on this episode to show me that you listen. God bless you guys. We are going to win if we stand on truth and fight. Thanks so much for listening. 
We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.